Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the Pentagon still working on its shared services cyber plan. It still needs more work to make sure that we are offering capabilities that meet the intent of delivering results that are feasible, acceptable, suitable, and most importantly to many businesses out there, uh, they have to be affordable. And no time to stop now in the Justice Department's cloud journey. We can't rest here because this is how we ended up here, right? So we've got to keep looking forward and trying to figure out how we're going to leverage, continue to modernize within the cloud. And some of the areas that we're looking at is using existing cloud services or native cloud services. It's Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Federal government employees, contractors, and visitors can self-certify they're vaccinated for COVID or they've tested negative in the past three days to enter a federal workplace, according to new guidance from the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force. Agencies can have meetings of more than 50 people under the new guidance, too. The task force updated a total of 10 areas of its guidance overall. The Energy Department will use the world's fastest exascale system to solve 24 science and engineering problems. The Frontier supercomputer can process at 1,880 petaflops. The department says it'll work on the problems over the next 18 months. You can read more about these headlines and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. A long list of CIOs and CTOs across government are coming to the UiPath Together Summit. You'll learn about automation from leaders in government and industry. It's happening at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City next Tuesday, June 14th. You can find a link to learn more and register in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Defense Department will investigate a shared service model for security for contractors. That model would move vendors toward the cybersecurity maturity model certification requirements the department's developed. Brigadier General Greg Tuhill, U.S. Air Force, retired as director of the CERT division at the Software Engineering Institute at Carnegie Mellon University. He's former federal chief information security officer. Greg, welcome. Thanks very much for coming on. I read this from my colleague Billy Mitchell's report. The Pentagon CMMC leadership's planning to meet soon to address potential requirements for managed service providers under the CMMC framework that could ease the burden for those contractors who do very little of their own IT. What's your thought about this and the potential scope of it and the implication for the defense industrial base? Welcome, Greg. Thanks very much, Francis. And I think this is an interesting proposal by the DOD and one that's not necessarily unexpected. As you take a look at the defense industrial base, it's made up of numerous tiers of companies uh, with various sizes, complexities, and contributions to the military mission. And as you take a look at contracts and how they are put together, subcontractors under different uh, major defense industrial base partners, that cascading effect of contracts and subcontracts adds risk and complexity to our cyber risk assessment and overall risk management posture. So by proposing that we pool resources, you know, particularly for small uh, but really significant contributors to the defense industrial base, but by pooling resources in the shared uh, services model for security, um, we're trying to get more bang for our buck, uh, but we're also trying to better manage cyber risk. It strikes me that this addresses one of the two main questions that especially those smaller companies that you just referenced have had about CMMC all along. What do I have to do and how much is it going to cost me? 
And this addresses at least the what do I have to do element, because if the company can say, well, I'm just going to buy this package, basically, that the department has already signed off on, I'm good. That That's where this is headed. Am I on the right track, Greg? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, you know, I think it's, the proof is going to be in the pudding. And as you take a look at the, the proposal that's out there, uh, you could read into that that there's going to be certain managed services, uh, security service providers or MSSPs that will be vetted by the Department of Defense and that under the defense contracting rules, uh, small companies that don't necessarily have the ability uh, based on size, revenue, et cetera, uh, can subscribe to some of these MSSPs uh, to protect their intellectual property, but also the equities of the Department of Defense. The, uh, the pudding, as it were, is the, the costs and the price of entry for those small and medium businesses is still unknown. And there may be some cost controls that would be put in place uh, through the De Department of Defense to make that an attractive option for really innovative and necessary companies to help that military mission. All right. If your answer is perhaps to my hypothesis, how do we get from perhaps to yes for that vendor base that probably isn't really well equipped to go out and figure this all out on their own, even if they could afford to do it? Well, I think uh, the next step uh, is you've got to provide a cost structure that companies will know what, hey, these are the costs that are going to be associated with this particular proposal. It's nice to have the proposal. I think we're moving in the right direction. But as somebody who used to be in the business world, you got to look at the bottom line. And as a company, I want to know what those uh, direct as well as what those indirect costs are. And we need some more fidelity in this proposal as to what the expected costs on the end companies will be and what the price of entry is going to now be for uh, us to do business with the Department of Defense. Billy quotes uh, Stacey Buschanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy in the office of the CIO. She works for John Sherman at DOD. And uh, Billy quotes her saying, what we're looking for are ways to ease the burden on the DIB. Does this do that in your view or what has to happen in order for this concept to do that, Greg? I think it is a step in the right direction. Uh, however, uh, it, it still needs more work to uh, make sure that we are offering capabilities that meet the intent of um, delivering results that are feasible, acceptable, suitable, and most importantly to many businesses out there, uh, they have to be affordable. So um, once we get uh, a better understanding of the price of entry for the DIB uh, and those small and uh, medium businesses that are targeted with this proposal, then we'll be in a better position to say whether or not that'll be uh, warmly received by the small and medium business community. What could that affordability factor look like? Does this look like potentially a marketplace where, I mean, almost a FedRAMP type marketplace where any number of companies that are willing to go through the process can then offer a solution? Or does this look like the department offering us, uh, you know, coming up with its own package? Or what do you think that end product, that end landscape looks like, Greg? It may be a blend of a couple of things. Uh, number one, 
Uh, it has been bandied about that the Defense Department itself may set up a enclave or a separate uh, MSSP that it manages and oversees, uh, where companies um, that are in fact under contract with the government and doing business with the government can uh, be protected under that umbrella. The second is a marketplace itself. There are companies out there who offer these uh, MSSP services, and there may be some sort of uh, construct in place where these MSSPs receive incentives uh, for discounting or you know, being uh, affordable for uh, small and medium uh, businesses under the DIB umbrella. And then the third option that has been bandied about uh, for, for many years is that the prime contractors, uh, the, the large system integrators uh, could take a role in setting up an enclave or setting up a MSSP capability for their subcontractors. I suspect that all three could be used simultaneously depending on the situation, the contract and the sensitivity of data. Are there pros and cons to any of those three or all of those three that come to mind right away? Or is this still so new that it's hard to figure where this could go? Oh, there's plenty of pros and cons to each one of them. I just don't think we have time uh, to cover them all. <laughs> oh, let's make I, I time, Greg. Let's make time. Well, ultimately, if the government is going to set up through the Department of Defense an enclave to protect uh, DIB partners, it's going to take uh, some uh, significant bureaucratic uh, changes as well as some investments in order to do that. And most of that would probably be outsourced uh, with government oversight uh, in government facilities or government controlled enterprises. The second uh, one where you have uh, MSSPs that would be certified for DIB partners, that too would set up a bureau bureaucratic process. Who's going to evaluate them? How do we do continuous approval to operate and continuous surveillance of those MSSPs to make sure they are in fact meeting the needs of uh, the department, you know, and independent third party auditing of those MSSPs by, you know, contract with the government may be anathema to uh, the operating model of those uh, existing MSSPs. And then for the final one, uh, making sure that prime contractors cr create a capability where they can, in fact, uh, pr provide those cyber defenses and cyber protections for their subcontractors will be very dynamic and will increase costs to the um, uh, American people. That, and that cost increase at this point is yet still to be defined. Greg Tuhill, terrific insight as always. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Francis. You can read more about the Pentagon's shared service idea for cyber in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. On Wednesday's show, the Labor Department's future in the cloud. Noel Rebellas is on tomorrow's Daily Scoop podcast. He'll tell you what's happening at labor, and you'll find that show at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows tomorrow afternoon. The General Services Administration is preparing a new acquisition vehicle for cloud computing called Ascend. GSA is responding to agency demand for easier, faster ways to buy cloud capability. Dwayne Spriggs is Senior Delivery Director at the Justice Department. He tells my FedScoop colleague Wyatt Cash the cloud offers his agency flexibility and responsiveness. Being able to respond to new requirements and emerging requirements 
um, was such a struggle in our old data center architectures um, and customers increasing demand was also very, very cumbersome to respond to. So with the cloud technologies, we've been able to put those types of uh, requirements into place pretty quickly. Uh, what used to take us months, maybe even I would dare to say years, has now been taking us um, you know, less than six six weeks in most cases, and sometimes even days, we've been able to put new requirements into production and address uh, customer demands. And in addition to maybe um, being able to do things faster, can you talk about what the primary technology challenges were that your agency faced in delivering these kinds of services? And how did the cloud actually help you overcome them? So, in the past, we've had to have technology already in place. Um, so it's, it was kind of like building in advance. You had to understand or anticipate the requirements of customers, build the technology because you needed an extra long lead time to have the technology in place and tested and ready to go. Um, that flexibility was really hard to get ahead of. And so once you spent a lot of time on developing infrastructures and technical solutions, um, you were waiting for the requirements to come in. Um, now with the cloud, we can evolve technology as well as we have evolving requirements coming in. And as those requirements come in, we can take the time to invest in technology, um, test technology, and keep innovating because now we don't have to make that requirement fit to an existing technology. We can have both work in parallel, the requirement and the innovation of the technology. So I mean, previously, our technology was already built in most cases. We were just waiting for requirements to come in. And if we had to, we forced those requirements to fit into the technology. So just so we can meet it. Absolutely. Well, can you describe a couple of key outcomes that the cloud has allowed your agency to achieve compared to say where you were a couple of years ago? Um, one of the things that we've been able to see uh, with the, uh, the new cloud, with the cloud technology, again, is the, the responsiveness. Um, the, uh, some of the outcomes have been, especially in the, in the world of application development, being able to do um, application code changes really very quickly, uh, being able to put new functionalities that come into the, um, to us from our customers, um, being able to address their requirements very quickly uh, has always been one of the challenges that we've had. But with the cloud technology, um, it was the, it's been the um, ability to respond that has just made it a game changer for us. Um, one of those issues that we've seen in the past is, you know, the development efforts, um, even though we had moved to an agile approach, the infrastructure wasn't there, the technology wasn't there to allow us to fully embrace the agile approach. So even though we had two week sprints and we were having functionality developed in that two week sprint, trying to deploy it um, with, without the cloud technology, just proved to be as cumbersome as we had with the actual waterfall approaches. So that is the areas that we see the significant changes with our technology. Absolutely. And then lastly, what were maybe one or two key lessons or even surprises that you experienced moving to the cloud? And, and uh, additionally, where do you plan to adopt cloud services moving forward? So what was a surprise to me was the um, the amount of technical debt we had actually accumulated, you know, technical debt being how long it's been since you made significant technology investments or investments into technology to keep your applications modernized and current with, you know, with technology, as you will. Um, one of those areas that was surprising to me was how much um, technical debt we had accumulated. Um, it's not a real good method of, no real good known method of uh, 
calculating technical debt and making it more quantifiable. Um, but it was like, for instance, one of the surprises that we had with the, uh, the technical debt was we realized in working with some of our end users and customers that they had uh, were, had workarounds they put in place for um, technical debt, like because the system couldn't keep up with their business requirements. They had manual processes that on top of the automated processes they were using, and that wasn't captured anywhere. It was just, you know, something that was ingrained into institutional knowledge. So having to be able to, as part of the cloud modernization and the modernization of an application, be able to pick that from the end users and the customers to say, you know, what is, how do you do this work now? And what have you done to overcome this technical debt was a complete surprise for us. Um, and then we started seeing more and more that we really underestimated the amount of technical debt we have because of the technology had been so stagnant for so long. Um, going forward, of course, we want to have the focus not to um, continue down that path of technical debt. We've, we've had significant efforts in getting them to the cloud and getting our systems modernized. Now we've got it, we can't rest here because this is how we ended up here, right? So we've got to keep looking forward and trying to figure out how we're going to leverage, continue to modernize within the cloud. And some of the areas that we're looking at is using existing cloud services or native cloud services. Um, we're starting to get more into that area of looking at the native cloud services to, to go ahead and buy it as a service rather than to try to build it in the cloud as a service. So those are the areas there. And there's another area that um, we're trying to get to serverless technology. So there's no infrastructure that you're really working with in the cloud, you're really just calling services like APIs would be called in the cloud for certain applications. So that's what we see our next innovation or evolution, if you will, on trying to keep us um, up to date with our technology as well as avoiding accumulating that technical debt again. Dwayne Spriggs of the Justice Department. You can find a link to watch the video of more of that conversation in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop Podcast returns tomorrow afternoon. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.